0: Welcome to the Life of a Global Desi, the podcast that connects
1: like-minded Desis all over the globe by conforming to stereotypes and
0: breaking them. Join us both on a journey as we uncover what it means to be a global Desi. Keep listening! On to our episode now! This is
1: Archana and I'm Arti. and we're recording from Cambridge, Massachusetts.
0: Welcome to the first episode of Life of a Global Desi. Why do we call this podcast Life of a Global Desi? And what does the term Desi mean? So according to Oxford Dictionary, because we look up everything on Oxford Dictionary, the term Desi as an adjective means local or indigenous um, pure and unadulterated as in desi Ghee. and as a noun it means a person of indian pakistani or bangladeshi birth or descent who lives abroad now one of the questions i had for aarti was how do you think a white person would say desi i think it would be called life of a global desi
1: Yes, uh, and Desi, not as in designated driver, but it's pronounced, they see. And also white people, she did not say that to diss you. <laughs> this was just so that we were understood.
0: Trust me, I've seen her speak in the same accent many, many times. That's a whole different episode about how Indians have an accent when they're abroad. <laughs> yes. Okay, so um global, I think the part of global
1: and global desis, mm-hmm. because we really hope to connect with desis all across the world.
0: And there are so many of us, right? Yes, there are quite a few of us. Awesome. So for our first episode, we wanted to start off with a question that I'm often asked, and I'm sure arthi you are too. The question is, where are you from? Yes, I think everyone's asked that. Yeah. And how would we answer the question, where are you from? So... Just to give you some context about us, growing up as a foggy, uh, and that term means an Indian army brat. So our dad was in the Indian Army and we moved every couple of years. And this you know, the sense that I had about where I was from was pretty warped because while I'm originally from South India, particularly from the state of Andhra Pradesh, I barely ever lived there. Our dad was stationed at some of the most remote parts of India, mostly in the north, the east, the west, everywhere except the south, basically. So it was only during summer holidays when we'd go back home to our maternal and paternal grandparents' house in karnool and Vizag, which, is, which are both in Andhra Pradesh, I would realize that I'm actually South Indian. So it was particularly tough for me to answer that question because you know, like while I was South Indian, I felt for the most part of growing up that I was actually North Indian because I had so many North Indian friends and everyone at school was pretty much North Indian. But um, yeah, I I really didn't know how to answer that question growing up.
1: I I think for me, it was obviously similar, but I think I was, I'm a little younger than uh, Archana is. So uh, I was maybe not asked that question independently as much, but I think it was tougher for me to answer that question once I reached college and uh, I did not go to, again, an army college that my sister did go to. We grew up going to army schools, but for undergrads, I just went to like um uh, non-army college. Um, and this is a college in uh, the South Indian state of Andhra Pradesh, again, in Hyderabad. There is a very true stereotype <laughs> I think for, for the most part that uh, most Hyderabadis almost uh, most Andhraids study engineering and they go to USA to do their master's
0: in computer science especially. And any one of you living in the Silicon Valley area, the Bay Area, you know, <laughs> this is absolutely true. Yes, in fact, there
1: is a long-running joke that when Andhra Pradesh, our state, was split into Telangana and Andhra, uh, the mm-hmm. largest Telugu-speaking state in the world was Texas. So <laughs> that's how many Andhraites actually end up in the United States to
0: study through Big their story. masters. But also, we can actually expand that to all Indians as well. Yeah, for as sure. As well. There's a lot of Indians everywhere, yeah.
1: Yeah, so while this podcast is about breaking stereotypes, I think there is some truth in stereotypes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so yeah, so this happened. I went to st- my engineering, stereotype, stereotypes, Um in Hyderabad and that's where I was asked this question of where am I from and um, I had to answer this I was like oh I'm from Andhra because my parents are both from Andhra like you know my mom comes from here my dad comes from there my maternal grandparents are from each from a different place so I would like go on to try and reiterate where exactly I'm from but they never thought I was from there because obviously I grew up up north so and and the reason why they did not get a sense that I was actually from Mantra was because I did not speak the way that most Andhra had spoke in terms of the accent. I had a more Hindi accent, I guess, because mm-hmm. I grew up up north, you know, speaking Hindi. The way I dressed was very different. Uh, it was, I guess, less traditional, less yeah. of salwar kameezes and such. Mm-hmm. Less of wearing the Indian customary you know <laughs> traditional outfits yes in the south and then also uh i had a nose ring and like that's not it's, it's not that it's very common down south to uh, it's not very common to wear nose rings it is common but it's just that um south indians wear the nose ring on a certain side of the nose and north indians wear it on the other side so they would be like are you north indian why mm-hmm. do you have your nose ring on your left side and then also like why aren't you wearing a bindi and Not to say that a bindi is like something that's worn by all Indians. I guess that kind of comes to ask me, like they would ask me a lot about, you know, my religion because I don't wear a bindi. They would assume I'm either a Muslim or a a Christian, Christian. right? And these were questions that we did not ever face as much uh, living in the army, military bubble, growing up in the military bubble. Also things like,
0: what caste are you?
1: And which was
0: until the undergrad, most novel question to me because I had never thought about yeah, what like caste Growing is. up, I don't think our parents yeah, have told us that even
1: though like caste is a major issue in India, right? I mean, casteism mm-hmm. is very much prevalent all over India. Still, uh, Article 15, great movie. You must yes. watch it if you haven't seen it already. Recommend. Which will, our first
0: recommendation. Oh,
1: yay! <laughs> which will actually throw some light on that issue. But, yeah, so... I got all these questions, and then um, and then I started feeling more and more like, where am I from? Because up north, because I have a darker skin tone, I would often get called like Madrasi, which is a very generic term used for all people from south of India, and I would be called Madrasi, and uh, of course it like gives away in some ways like which part of India you're from, because people from down south tend to be a little darker skin because we're closer to the equator, whereas People from north of India have more of like Aryan blood, Greek blood, Persian blood, mm-hmm. or like Mughals who came in from like the Middle East um, carry that same blood. Fair-skinned. Right? So Fair-skinned. Yeah. So that was, I think, very interesting for me because when I was up north, I was perceived to be South Indian, but I'm here down South. Mm -hmm. And suddenly
0: they're like, where are you from? And they do not buy any of the stuff that I'm giving them. Yeah. So that's, that's so interesting. And I guess one of the things we wanted to explore with this episode was, why do people even ask the question, where are you from? Right? What is what are the undertones of that question? And also the fact that where are you from becomes such an important question when you are thrown out of your own context right mm-hmm. so for example no one in india if you're an if you're clearly an indian no one in india is going to ask you hey where are you from right if you're walking on the road that question becomes more important when you're thrown into a foreign land so for instance when we moved abroad a lot of people would ask us as like naturally because they would see us and you know because of either how we physically looked or how we spoke. The question was, where are you from? And so I guess what people are trying to do with that, in my opinion, is when they meet you for the first time, they want to figure you out, they want to put you in a box, and they want to try and place you on a scale relative to them. And that's pretty much what people do when they ask you, what do you do, right? You meet someone for the first time, they want to know what you do, what your profession is, how much you earn, things like that are implicit in those questions, in, in my opinion. Yeah,
1: and I would also say that, I mean, it's not always important to ask a question outside of your context. Like, for example, I was asked that question in my undergrad, which was in the same country that I was in. But I guess they were just trying to do that to see whether I am dependable whether they can trust me and whether I can be a part of their in-group right so I think it's more to find out uh, you know whether
0: they can trust you and and it's almost like goes to prove the fact that humans are so tribal right we want to know who's part of our clan versus not and obviously years and years of evolution when you start spending more time with someone you start realizing what their actual worldview is what their ideas are you know what their points of view are and that can tell you whole new levels of where a person is from, right? It's, it's beyond just the physicality, beyond just how they speak and how they look, but who they are as people.
1: Mm-hmm. And like for me, the first time I was actually asked that question, where are you from in a context outside of India, was uh, actually when I was doing this uh, summer internship in China, when I was 19 and I was all of 19 and this was when I was in college and I was still struggling with this idea of identity where in undergrad I grew up up north I'm here down south and I am I belong to neither of the two clans in you know in the traditional sense so how do you even begin to explain this whole idea to an outsider from a different country right? And in some ways, it's a good thing, because it's, like, liberating, and you don't feel the need to fit a box, or, like, try and play to the in-group uh, piece, right? Mm-hmm. But, uh, and your new box can just be, oh, I'm Indian. And if they nudge further, I would say, where in India, I'd say South India, and then they say, which city? And I'd be like, Hyderabad, <laughs> because by that time, we'd live in Hyderabad for the maximum amount of time, even though we grew up in all over India, in seven different schools, mm-hmm. like, getting posted, dad was getting posted every two years. So I was like, I'm from Hajjabad. And um, I, I think for me, that is why traveling is really, really liberating. Yet it can be frustrating.
0: And and to what you just said about, you know, how you owned up to your Indian identity. It's so interesting that when you're thrown out of your familiar zone or context or out of your own country, we kind of hold on to, of course, I'm Indian, you know, it's, it's almost <laughs> like... Oh yes, I am Indian. Versus... Yes, and funnily enough, when we are in India, we're trying to be not
1: Indian because yeah. we are just consuming so much of Western pop culture. Yeah. So yeah, and and that's that's what I was, That's why I think I love traveling because you can redefine and rediscover yourself each time, and integrate all these new identities. And I think it only makes you richer in terms of experiences and helps you connect to more people with all the different identities you carry with yourself by the way by travel here i yeah. mean like not just like traveling globally but also like living globally which i think is adds a whole different dimension to travel because it's more immersive and uh, it helps you like think in a totally new different language and that i think sh-
0: shapes the way shapes your worldview in a completely different way for sure and and it's, it's basically about being a tourist versus a traveler, right? They're, they're two different things. It's about, hey, I took a vacation to Paris for six days and versus I lived a semester abroad in Paris for like six months. And again, not to say that you can't, be an immersive traveler based on the amount of time that you have yes Uh, but but you get the gist
1: yes but at the same time like when we do travel for pleasure like how often do you connect with the locals right like when you travel for pleasure I think the only locals that you connect with are probably the waitstaff or like you know your hotel lobby people or like uh you know your tour guide right which is yeah very different from living in a country. Yeah,
0: that's that's so funny because when I think about B school and all the global immersive programs and I'm putting this in, in quotes or studies where students would sign up for like this expensive uh, program to study abroad or do a case in a new country, uh I'm always wondering like how often are students stepping out of, you know, their flight into a five-star hotel and then a five-star restaurant and going on popular tourist attractions. You know, basically immersing in, in a very sanitized type of travel
1: mm-hmm.
0: or experience. Um, yeah. You know, which brings me back to that whole traveler versus tourist yeah, I guess, idea.
1: I guess experiences like Airbnb let you be immersive, but then again, it's in the contextual way, unless in terms of interactions with people. But then again, you can do that through culture every time you travel. Yeah, I guess like immersing yourself in culture, museums, and so on and so forth. Yeah, but. Having said that, I guess what I'm trying to get at is you can be well-traveled and yet not global in your outlook or you can not be travelled at all and still be very global. Like, for example, my best friend, she is not well-traveled in the international sense, but she is so global in her outlook. Like, compared to her, I think, even though I'm more travelled, she is definitely more global in outlook. So she for example, was the first one who told me about gnocchi, like, and how to make it, because she was like, let's make gnocchi, and I
0: was like, oh, well, what is that? Or gnocchi, she... gnocchi is an Italian pasta, by the way, Yes. For, for people like me who didn't know before. Yeah, and
1: and also things like world cinema, she's such a voracious reader, and like consumes so much of like global cinema, that her worldview is, I think the most refreshing for me every time I go back
0: to India and like yep. meet with her, because yeah. Or even our mom. Like our yeah. mom reads so much and she's maybe been to like fewer countries than arthi and me combined, but it really doesn't matter. It, it's about what global outlook you have and, and how how much exposure you are giving yourself through, you know, cinema, art, music, books, culture, and all of that. So I guess all that to say that identity obviously has multiple layers. For example, like Aarti and I grew up in the 90s. And that was the time when there was a lot of American sitcoms coming into India. Liberalization of satellite television had happened. And we had, like, tons of family living in the U.S. Um, thanks for being on right. <laughs> tons of un- U.S. relatives. And we were exposed to a lot of American culture, right? Like friends and, you know, uh, whose line is it anyway? Things like that. and And candy, which is obviously a fancy way of saying... Chocolates and obviously like the I love New York T-shirts. For us, never having stepped in New York, it was really hilarious that we would wear those and roam around in India. (laughs) Yes, just to add
1: that uh, the whole idea of third culture kids is someone who is uh, born in, say, a family where the parents belong to a certain culture, uh, but they are raised in a completely new context or a country, right? So they become third culture kids and. This is especially common with diplomat kids who like whose or kids whose parents had like very global lifestyles or grew up in different places. And in some ways, Sis and I are also third culture kids because we we're like army kids. We, you know, our parents are both South Indians. We grew up up north,
0: and now we're living globally. You know. Yeah, totally or even areas. kids of immigrants, right? Yeah, kids, kids of immigrants, refugee kids. I mean, the the refugee kids, entire, entire Indian-American population here, you know, a lot of kids who've grown up yeah. Yeah. Of, of Indian origin or Pakistani origin, but grown up in the United States. So they feel American for the most part, right? Yes.
1: I often feel like that. I When we talk about identity with multiple layers, I went on to live in Colombia for a few months uh, where I was teaching, teaching English there and I was living with a host family. Uh, and, and I honestly it makes me feel like I'm half Colombian because I had like a Colombian mother, I had like two Colombian brothers and every time FIFA plays, you know, yeah. I'm supporting Colombia. And, uh, and then I went on to live in Ecuador for two months volunteering. I was in Brazil for a month volunteering again with the Paralympics in 2016. And i travel to a dozen other places and every time I travel I keep integrating those identities and every new language that I learn to define me in those ways in so many ways right so yeah the more I travel the more I've come to believe that the soul knows no boundaries and truly like boundaries of nations and boundaries that we see on physical physically on maps they, they don't exist or passports even and that Humanism definitely supersedes nationalism and I feel that especially important in today's global political climate with populism and nations skewing towards you know fascist governments I feel that more and more because when you are in a different country and context and immersed and you feel a part of it and you're connecting with someone over just a laugh you don't even speak their language but they speak the same language of laughter of joy of tears or sadness And those are such human emotions.
0: Very deep, Arthi. How intellectual. (laughs) I'm super impressed. No. I like how you're bringing it all back to what's happening in the current world. But anyway, I guess the whole point of this episode is, you know, the answer to the question, where are you from, can be often very tricky and doesn't always have a straight answer. leave Leave alone a definitive one, in my opinion. And more so as global desis who live, work, and travel abroad in today's world, right? Mm -hmm. And not (laughs) disease. Oh, my God. So with that, how would you now answer the question, Arti? Where are you from?
1: Well, I would answer this question by saying I'm from Hyderabad, India, uh, which is a South Indian city, and mostly because I've lived there for the majority of my life at this point. So,
0: yeah. Yeah. I guess I would answer it saying I'm Indian because mm-hmm. I, I I unlike you I haven't lived in South India too much myself but I do feel Indian and I am Indian. I, That's cool.
1: True, I feel yeah. Indian too,
0: but I feel like I also feel
1: global. So, but it would be just too weird if people ask me where are you from, and I say I'm, I'm from, from the Earth, Earth, third planet from the Sun, and they'll just be like, "She is cuckoo." But yeah. <laughs> honestly, I
0: wish I could say that, but I try and keep it as I know we don't want to sound tried, like Try to respond more be. woke than we pre- like pretend to be, but okay. <laughs> so. Okay that's a wrap on our very first episode of life of a global desi oh my god this is so exciting so um you know we really hope there's more than just three people listening to this mom dad we know you're listening to this and other family members um i hope you liked it and we love you yeah seriously we really hope there's more of you just like us, who are listening to this, and you know, grappling with all sorts of questions that we will explore on this podcast, trust us. And so, for for real, if there's other humans who are listening to this podcast, please reach out to <laughs> us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the standard social media outlets. And we are we go by Life of a Global Desi because that's the name of the podcast. Or you can write to us old school at Send us an email, basically. That's what no, old not, school now old means. Old school is not like writing yeah. us a letter. That would be awesome. We like, no you know Back in the day, Disney PO box yeah. number. Yeah, no, no, no. But, there's, yeah. there's no PO box number. By old school, which is now old school, we mean email. Lifeofaglobaldesi at gmail.com. Because Gmail owns a lot of email. So, <laughs> I'm what? sorry. You'll hear a lot of random jokes on this
1: Mostly podcast. Mostly
0: <laughs> Yeah, I have a really good sense of humor, you guys. Okay, so rate and review us on any platform that you're listening to. Um, You know, It could be Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, whatever. It would mean a lot to us and we hope there's more than just our family members and our dog.
1: Yes, and we will look at your feedback, consider your critique and see if it's worth our time and effort to
0: incorporate. (laughs) Just kidding. Yeah, she's joking, she's joking. (laughs) We will seriously look at it and uh, obviously... We both want to have a growth mindset because we are global daisies. <laughs> so keep listening and stay curious. Peace out. Hey daisies, If you enjoyed this episode, then please rate, review and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and wherever else you're listening to podcasts. Yes, and give us five stars now, please. Not the chocolate, I meant the rating. the terrible, terrible joke. Very, very Come bad. Come horrible was, at PJs. You are the queen of PJs. What are do you Don't saying, drive. You're telling me? <laughs> no one knows what five stars are. Of course they do.
1: Diving.